0: isn't it we want to be people of God reflecting the heart of God and God is a generous God we want to be people who live with open hearts and open hands not the opposite people who go through life with greed and selfishness motivating them to take and to take and to live life with clenched fists We want to be receptive to the opportunities God provides us. And if you've ever been on the other side of generosity, you know how important it is. You know what an impression it makes. When someone goes out of their way to be generous to you, it it gets your attention. You notice it. And I think as ambassadors of Christ, there may be no better way for us to point people to God our gracious, generous God, than to be generous to them. And so it's important. It's not just a topic of, oh, it's nice to be nice. It is what God has called us to be, reflecting his heart. If you have a Bible, open it up to Mark chapter 12. That will be our text today, Mark chapter 12. I want you to imagine that you are dating someone. For some of you, that might be relevant right now. For others of us, that might be A long time ago but imagine you're dating someone and you've gone on a few dates and things seem to be going well and after a few dates the person you're dating says we need to talk okay what do we need to talk about and this person you're dating says I really like you I think things are going well I want this relationship to continue but I have a question for you and the question is this what is the least amount of effort that I need to put into this relationship to keep it going. Can you imagine if a person asked you that question and they went on, yeah, I need to know exactly how much time do we have to spend together? How nice do I have to be to you? Do you expect flowers or candy or for me to prepare a meal for you? How often do I need to do those things? How promptly do I need to respond to your calls and text messages? How much time do I need to spend with your family if we see this thing moving forward? Can you imagine if this person said that to you? What would be your response? Your response would probably be, hey, man, or hey, lady, this thing's over, right? Hit the road. This isn't going to work. And yet I think in many of us, there is at least a part of us that is a bare minimalist, What I mean by that is we want to know the least amount we have to do or give, the least amount of energy or time or effort just to get by. Sound like college to you a little bit? C's equal degrees? (laughs) Or maybe some of you know in your workplace, you know there are some people who are just getting by. I mean, they, they show up at the last possible moment, without being noticed, they leave for the day, you know, as early as they can, kind of fly under the radar. They don't volunteer for committees and extra work. They just sort of do what they have to do to get by. The bare minimum. Recently, we needed some work done to the exterior of our house, and so the company came out, and they gave us three different bids for three different levels of work, and there were literally thousands of dollars between these bids. Well, if you know me, you know the one I went for. We'll do the first bid, the lowest bid. And what I was saying was, I want to spend the least amount of money and keep my house standing upright. You know, keep it from falling over. Sometimes that's our attitude. And I think when it comes to generosity, many of us have a generosity threshold. We have a line that we draw, and we know we're not going to very often, maybe never, cross that line. Whatever that line is, when it comes to giving our money, our time, our energy, our effort to serve, to help, to bless others, to give, we have a line, and we know that if we stay on this side of the line, there's still going to be relative comfort and ease I can still get what I want, I can still have my schedule and my day and my resources and my money, but I know if I cross that threshold, if I cross that line, then I'm in this area of uncertainty, maybe of discomfort, of sacrifice. And those things don't sound fun, so I'm going to stay on this side of the line. And so my question for you to consider as we launch into this text this morning is, where is your generosity threshold? Where is that line for you? In scripture, when we read about giving, when we read about generosity, it is always about something deeper. It is always about the heart. It's always framed that way, as something deeper than just the money you put in a plate, or the time that you give, or the way that you serve. It's the heart behind those things. And in Mark's gospel, we find Jesus in the temple area really for the last time before he will go and ultimately give his life at Calvary. He's in the temple, and his last teaching in the temple is about generosity. Of all the things he could have done, of all the things he could have talked about, of all the things he could have said, he wants to show his disciples what a giving heart looks like in the flesh, in the wild. And he begins by asking his disciples to observe the teachers of the law, the scribes. And so we pick up our text in Mark chapter 12, verse 38. And he taught, as he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for a show they make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus is making a case here. He's he's setting up a teachable moment for his disciples, and he says this is Exhibit A. Exhibit A are the teachers of the law, the scribes, those men who were well-respected, those men who were seen with authority and wisdom because they handled the law of Moses, They could read and interpret scripture. And what does Jesus say they are doing? They are calling attention to themselves, aren't they? The text says that they are walking around in their long robes, their long white linen robes, probably with prayer tassels or fringes at the bottom, which indicated status. Someone who is devout, someone who is devoted to God, who spends time in prayer. Jesus says they walk around in these long robes and where where do they sit they sit in the seats of honor the places of honor they want to be honored they want people to greet them to notice them to see them to admire them and they lead these long elaborate prayers now I must confess when I was a kid there were times that my buddies and I would time the prayers and worship services you know because you knew the guys who would lead the long, long prayers. So you'd get the watches ready. And There were some long prayers. And my guess is, as I look back on that, I'm, I'm sure they were praying long prayers because they were just pouring their hearts out to God and they wanted the congregation to join them in that, and that's great. That's not the case for these teachers of the law. Jesus says they pray these long, elaborate prayers, not because they're pouring their hearts out to God, but because... They want to impress people. These long prayers are just masks for their own greed and selfishness and arrogance. And then Jesus says this about these men, they devour widows' houses. When it comes to the most vulnerable group, when it comes to one of the groups of people that we, scripture says we are supposed to take care of, and when we do that we are practicing pure religion, James 1:27. These men were taking advantage of them. These teachers of the law were devouring devouring widows' houses. You see, these scribes, they depended on the temple treasury for their own livelihood. And you could see how a system like that would be ripe for corruption. And evidently, some of these teachers of the law would take advantage of widows who owned possessions or homes, who had some wealth they didn't have a husband to make the decision with them. And so these teachers of the law would manipulate them into giving their houses. In other words, into putting all of this money into the temple treasury in the name of doing the Lord's work. But really, they were lining the pockets of the teachers of the law. And Jesus has very harsh words for them. He says, they will be punished most severely. So exhibit A is on full display. The arrogance, the greed of some of the religious elite, and now it's time for exhibit B, a poor widow. And so a widow in the story that Jesus is not just telling, but is unfolding around him, and that Mark is telling, inspired by the Spirit, a widow becomes not just the passive victim, now she becomes the star of the show. Back in our text, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Let me stop there for a minute. Can you imagine if when you left the auditorium this morning and you walked by those offering boxes out in the lobby that Jesus was standing there next to them? Just kind of watching. Bob, you just going to walk by the offering box this morning? Uh... Well, Jesus, I I gave online. (laughs) I gave online. Let me see that receipt, Bob. Uh, It's in the mail, right? I mean, can you imagine the pressure with Jesus sitting right there by the offering box? Now, in the temple, there was the court of women, and that's where this widow was, and that's where the temple treasury was. And, of course, men could go into the court of women, but women could go no farther than the court of women. And if you go there today... Jerusalem in the temple area what is left the wailing wall there is still an area for men and there is an area for women but in Jesus's day the court of women that's where the temple treasury was and so strategically placed in this area were 13 trumpet shaped boxes or containers and so they sort of opened up like this and that's where people would go to make their gifts that's where you would put your money sort of like when we used collection plates and now we use the boxes and other things that that was their way of giving. And Jesus parks himself right there to observe, to notice. Because he wants to point out something to his disciples and by extension to us. Back in our text verse 41, many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. And if I'm there with Jesus, I'm thinking, well, wait a second, Jesus, you must have missed something. Did you not see how much money those rich people put in the box Did you not notice how they kept just putting money in there and yeah, it was pretty loud and yeah, we all noticed. You couldn't have missed it, Jesus. We all saw how much money they put in. How can you say she put in more? That lady didn't put in more money than those rich people did. But remember with Jesus, giving is not necessarily about the amount but the heart behind it. You see, in God's economy... Things are different, upside down, inside out. They don't align with the world's economy. Jesus explains in verse 44, They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty. She put in everything, all she had to live on. It is very clear to me that Mark has arranged this story to highlight the contrast that Jesus is pointing out. On one hand, we have this group of religious leaders. They are elite, they are well-respected. And what are they doing? They're walking around in their, what we would say, nice clothes, fancy clothes. They're seating in the, the seats of honor, the places of privilege. They are calling attention to themselves. They're making a big deal. This is probably the same group that's making a big deal about their own offerings into the temple treasury. You know, those, those trumpet-shaped boxes were arranged so that when you put money in there, it made a sound. And I could imagine that maybe these, these guys would, would give their offering in coins so it would be loud. You know when, when we have at story time the wagon down here on Commission Sundays, and you can always hear when the kids drop the coins in the wagon, it makes this loud clanging sound, which is great. But I could see these teachers of the law doing that. They call attention to themselves. They want people to notice that they're giving so much. So you have that on one hand. and On the other hand, you have this, this widow. The text says, Jesus says, that she's poor. She's limited in where she can go, right? She can't go beyond the court of women. She's limited in what she can give. But she gives everything. She doesn't announce it. She just quietly gives. She gives it all. The version we read says that she gave two small copper coins. Some of the older versions say that she gave two mites. Sometimes this story is called the widow's mite. I recently ran across an app for my phone that can actually identify coins. You hold it over a coin it can identify the coin and give you kind of some comparable coins some pictures of coins and it identifies what it is it even tells you the estimated value of that coin i thought this is great i knew i had a little stash of coins from when i was a lot younger that i hadn't looked at in a long time and i thought man i, I probably have a hidden treasure in there i could probably retire <laughs> And so I got the app on my phone and I went and found my little stash of coins and I started combing through them and looking at some of them and, and I noticed one looked a little different than the others. It was, it was gold and it was, it was really scuffed and well-worn but I started looking at one side of it and I couldn't really make it out but I saw there were some letters there and I was like, okay, that looks like a G. And what's that letter? That looks like, kind of looks like an A. And as I looked more closely, I could read it. Game token. I turned it over and it said, no cash value. <laughs> Which was basically like the rest of the coins in the little stash there. Well, for this widow, her coins had some cash value, but not very much. If you were to put, put that, that coin identifying app over her offering, it, it would come up with like one, two, maybe three cents as what it's worth. And yet, Jesus says she gave everything. You see, when when you have two cents and it's your last two cents, the only money you have to live on, and you give it, that's everything. This is one of those texts that, if you've been around the Bible, been around church very long at all, you probably know it. We like to teach this text to our children. Boy, it's a hard one, isn't it? What do you do with this text? What do you do with this teaching from Jesus? What is the application for our lives? What does Jesus really want us to see? What does he want us to do? Anytime we talk about money, I I know. I know we get uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable. Anytime we talk about money, we get a little nervous. I like what... Christian author Philip Yancey said, he said this, many Christians have one issue that haunts them and never fall silent. The issue that haunts me, he says, is money. It hangs over me. It keeps me off balance, restless, uncomfortable, nervous. I feel pulled in opposite directions over the money issue. Sometimes I want to sell all that I own and join a Christian commune and live out my days in intentional poverty. At other times, I want to rid myself of guilt and enjoy the fruit of our nation's prosperity. Does that sound familiar? If you can't relate on some level to his statement, then I'm not sure you have really wrestled with the New Testament's teachings on money. So what is the application? Does Jesus want me to give everything? Is that why he holds up this widow to his disciples and obviously to us and says, look at her, she gave everything. And so as our natural assumption then, okay, I need to be like that. Jesus commends her, I need to give everything. Well, that's certainly what he asked a rich ruler to do, didn't he? His story is in Luke 18. After a question about inheriting eternal life, In a discussion about keeping the law, Jesus says, there's one thing you lack. There's one more thing. Go and sell everything and give it to the poor. Then you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. Go and sell everything, all of it. He doesn't say sell a tithe 10% and give it. He doesn't say, well, maybe half. He says, sell everything. Does Jesus want me to, to sell everything and give it to the poor? Does he want me to give everything? Maybe. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I know stewardship is also a very biblical concept. And I know that Scripture, one place, for example, 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, talks about the importance of taking care of our families, of providing for their needs, And I know this, that when Jesus talks about giving, it was always about something deeper. It was always about the heart. What you give and how you give, that's between you and God. But remember, while we often make assessments and evaluations and even decisions based on what we can see and feel and observe, what does scripture tell us God looks at? God looks at the heart. God knows your heart. So maybe the question this morning is, what is the condition of your heart? You see, only you can answer that question. Now, maybe the people closest to you, they obviously get glimpses of your heart. They know what's in your heart. But you, better than anyone else on this earth, you know the condition of your heart. And you can answer that question better than anyone else. You are the most qualified, apart from God, to answer that question. What is the condition of your heart? Do you have a receptive heart to the work of the Spirit, to the will of God, to the opportunities He puts in front of you? Do you have an open heart that says, I see people, I care for people, I want to do what I can to bless people in the name of Jesus. What is the condition of your heart? Maybe a different way of asking it is, are you willing to give until it hurts? Let's just get real practical here. Are you willing to give until it hurts, until you feel it? Are you willing to cross that line into that area of uncertainty, and reliance more and more on God because the more you give away, and and we're talking not just about money here, we're talking about a lot of things. The more you give, the more you yield, the more you submit, the more then that you have to rely on someone else, right? In this case, hopefully God. Are you willing to cross that line into that place of discomfort and sacrifice and reliance on God? Are you willing to give until it hurts? Are you willing to leverage what you have to step into the opportunities God provides? Let's be honest. God, he gives us opportunities every day, every week, doesn't he? And if you're like me, you get pretty good at just sort of keep on walking. Either not noticing them or dismissing them or making some kind of excuse You see, when giving hurts, there's some things happen in us. When giving hurts, we begin to get a glimpse of the heart of God. We begin to understand the life and death of Jesus who gave everything. Did Jesus give until it hurts? He literally gave his life. He was literally hurt. He gave so much. When we give until it hurts, we gain perspective on what is most important in life. The things that we think are so very important, we have a new perspective. When giving hurts, we find ourselves in a place of great trust and reliance on God and on others. And isn't that why we resist? Because we have to give up control, we have to give up power, we have to leverage those things that we hold so dearly and rely on God you see excessive generosity means extreme trust and when giving hurts we begin to reflect the giving and gracious heart of our heavenly father to a watching world our father who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son So let me suggest a place we can start. Chew on this for a little bit. What would it be like to move your threshold for generosity? Consider, prayerfully consider, stretching your threshold for generosity. You see, when we stretch our muscles, it hurts, doesn't it? It does. If you haven't stretched in a while and you start stretching your back or your legs or your arms, it hurts. But you know what it does? It, it loosens you up. And, and then you can, you can move a little better. You can go a little farther. I think some of us need to stretch our generosity muscles. And it will hurt. And there will be pain. But then we can go farther. God can use us in more powerful ways. And So what would it look like for you to just move that threshold, move that line a little bit, And again, maybe it is literally with money, giving money. Maybe it's giving your time. Maybe it's backing up and saying, I know as scripture says, as we have said today, this is a matter of the heart and I need to start with the foundational issues that are keeping me from moving that line. I need to deal with some things in my heart. Cynicism, doubt, greed, selfishness because you may be able to arbitrarily move this line a little bit, but what's gonna happen over time, it's just gonna move right back and maybe even go farther out because those things are still in your heart. Please understand, this is a spiritual issue. This is not a financial issue. This is not a time and scheduling issue. This is a matter of the heart. So what would it look like for you to stretch, to move that threshold of generosity. To be prepared for the moments God provides. To reflect the one who gave everything. Who gave until it hurts so that you could have everything. If we can help you on that journey of having a heart that pursues the heart of God, let us do that. Let us encourage you. Let us pray for you. We can do that this morning. Maybe today you're ready to give your heart fully to Jesus. Recognizing how much he has given to you. You are ready to respond and give him everything. Simply confessing that you believe that Jesus is the son of God. And you embrace the life that he lived. You adhere to the teachings that he gave. And you find life in his death an eternal life in his resurrection. Maybe today you're ready to become a Christian, to be baptized into Christ. We would love to celebrate with you. If we can pray for you, if we can encourage you, let us do that this morning. Let's stand and sing together. Boundless love, unending joy.